This is the Bakery and Snack Chat podcast, and I'm Jill Hislop. Today, I'm joined by George Fuller, Chairman of the Craft Bakers Association, and Karen Deer, Director of Operations, to find out more about the UK's craft bakery sector and how it has weathered the coronavirus outbreak. According to George, it has actually become very dynamic on the back of the pandemic and the CBA has seen some significant and positive developments. We chat about how members have innovated to adapt their business in response to the health crisis and what the sector should look to as the lockdown eases. Tell me, how vibrant is the craft bakery sector? Very vibrant at the moment. And it is becoming more so, I think, uh, certainly on the back of the, uh, the pandemic that mm-hmm. we're currently, the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a different uh, dimension to it all. Right. And we've certainly started to see some quite significant and innovative developments within the craft bakery sector. It was already it was already uh, enjoying something of a renaissance in in as far as um, people were starting once again to to appreciate uh, the value of um, good, uh, not only good bread, but they also started value to value the the small craft baker. We can only hope that whilst things will be slightly different, we think, then that that we can continue on this trajectory, which is highly encouraging. The majority we're talking about are members or those businesses that are are, are traditional bakers. They are mostly still family-run businesses. And the quality and um, the personal care and attention is what really sets uh, your your traditional baker apart. And and as George said, in, in these really difficult times, that's come to the fore because they are the smaller businesses generally um, you will have um, a husband and wife or um, family that are running it they can adapt very quickly um, mm. to customer needs and I think that's where you know the, the industry particularly through this these difficult times has, has come to it uh, come to the fore. What are the current trends in the craft sector and what do you see coming up in the future? Um, I would say that what the, the trends are often driven um, by fashion, if you like. Um, you know, certain items, certain things become fashionable. Certain products become a little bit quirky. You know, you have things like cronuts. Uh, you have uh, that sort of thing. Innovation, new ideas. Um, not necessarily um, with longevity in my experience. Uh, they become a fad for a while, uh, you know, as we see on television or on, with kids' things and stuff like that. They become a fad. We get six months out of them or seven months or a year or 18 months, and then they fade. They tend to fade. In terms of the longer-term 
and the more um, substantive things. I think um, the craft baker generally, in general, they are, they are trying new methods mm-hmm. of manufacturing particularly bread. And uh, certainly in our business, we see the, the, um, the development of uh, the artisan craft style traditional breads much to the fore. And, that w- and I think that will continue because there's still, certainly with the, 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 in my view, the British uh, industry in the 70s, the 60s and the 70s was thrashed really by uh, the big industrial millers right. who simply wanted everything on a machine. Uh, then of course it's driven by cost, cost efficiency, uh, and what happens there is you often drive out a lot of the tradition and a lot of the traditional methods. Mm-hmm. Now, w- w- what we've found or what we are finding is that um, it's, it's, and it isn't only just happened. This is over the last sort of 10, 15 years, we've seen the traditional side of the craft uh, coming to the fore again. But it's a matter. But it's also it's a re-education process as well, because we have to re-educate a lot of people into um, appreciating what good quality bread is all about. And I think that, to me, that is the that, that we will continue to enjoy that uh, as we move forward, and and as people start to do start appreciating what good good bread is all about so you really are seeing a bread revival yes i think it's something that is it's uh, it's gathered momentum faster in certain places than others sort of the big city conurbations tend to have an awful lot more of the small uh, craft baker but mm-hmm. but it's also a lot of them are not actually uh pursuing the craft bakery trade as we might know it they are be they have access to uh lots of bake off type of products right. which whilst whilst the purists in our industry uh don't necessarily agree with them the smaller people do have the ability to access albeit they may be unbaked frozen products uh, which we do frown upon, but at the same time, if the message is getting out that it's good bread, then let people use it. So what you're seeing in in the bigger conurbations are niche, little niche sort of shops, which may be niche bakery. They might have a delicatessen in there. They might have you know all different uh, variety of artisan and craft products, mm-hmm. but bread is in there. And even if, as I say, it may be industrially manufactured in France or somewhere like that, right. but it is still it is still getting people to appreciate good bread. Now, as a craft sector, UK-based, we can, of course, make it a better and a more exciting experience by offering to make it ourselves. And if... People have the benefit of a small craft bakery or a, 
uh, they don't necessarily have to be small. I mean, right. some of our members are quite large outfits. But if you've got the benefit of that, then you've got a, it is a win-win situation because you've got access to the real thing and manufactured here and not in industrial sort of conditions. I think actually it's shown the benefit and, and the importance of bread in everybody's diet and a staple in their home, you know, wherever, whether you buy from your craft baker or you buy from, you know, your supermarket, bread is an important um, dietary food and, um, you know, and, and, and for it to be highlighted in that way. And I think we've seen a lot of positive um, news stories about bread um particularly over the last three months or so and highlighting its importance um within the country and within people you know families and um how they use it and probably didn't at the time think about bread so much as well you know buy life of bread loaf of bread but i think it's become really important particularly the last three months or so yeah i think the other thing karen and uh, is that we all know, if you look at the statistics, sliced bread sales generally decline mm-hmm. uh, and are in decline and to a greater or lesser extent continue to decline. And I think that is where that is to the advantage of the craft sector in as much as they can um, they won't necessarily fill the space because of volume. I mean, we've got to acknowledge that the industrial baker has a great role to play right. in, in, in feeding the nation the, with a sliced bread. And the, but, but even they're becoming more innovative, developing new seeded breads. Uh, um, and um, they have, a, a, I think they tend to use the word traditional rather than craft or whatever but they're they're doing uh, their bit as well but we are seeing some of our members certainly have seen quite significant growth on uh, on on the craft styles of bread and the traditional styles of bread and they've that to me demonstrates that the, the re-education process is actually working please can you tell me about the craft bakers association We've been in existence since 1887, so we have a, a, a long history, and um, the association was formed originally to support, for exactly the same reasons that we are still uh, working to today, is to support the, the craft baker um, within the industry. And we've carried on many of the, um, the traditional um, ways of supporting our members from there. It has, hasn't really changed. Uh, we have uh, two charities as well that run alongside our um, association. So we have a benevolent fund, which mm-hmm. was set up um, around the same time to support the, the, uh, the less fortunate in the, in the community. And we have an education fund, which we use to support um, younger people in the industry and also to um, support our members uh, if we've got new um, if, as George is saying if there are new innovative products coming out or legislation and that type of thing then we would normally uh, use our education fund the association itself we are um, headed up by um, our chairman George mm-hmm. 
and our board of directors are all uh, bakers themselves. So we are a true um, traditional association in that um, everybody who work, everyone who has a position on the board is, is a baker. Um, so along with all the other benefits we offer in terms of health and safety and employment law, networking, um, I think our biggest um, asset is if you are a baker, you can be sure that any of the team that are on the board of directors would have come across any problems that, you know, you may be encountering, you know, that they've been at the sharp end of it for many years. And that is quite a, a good benefit to perhaps people who join our association and are just starting out. They would know that they have, you know, the support of very experienced bakers um, who are able to, to help them with any queries that they may have. Generally, our members are join us for employment law, health and safety. We have just um, released our COVID-19 management guide, which is free to all of our members, and that's to support them for the members that have stayed open and those that are now gradually starting to, to, to return to the high street, it will um, hopefully give some confidence to the customers that are visiting that the, that the business that they are um, purchasing their bread from has gone through all the right procedures to ensure that everything is safe. So they're the, type of, they're the type of issues we get involved in with our members. It's just really to make sure that they're supported and they're able to um, carry on with what they do best, which is uh, making bread and sandwiches and cakes. <laughs> All the lovely things. We do also work um, alongside lobbying for our members um, in terms of allergens, um, which was, you know, we were working on that just before um, the lockdown, allergens, labelling. So, um, you know, we do an awful lot of work around those areas for any legislation that um, is maybe looking to be implemented. Um, we have consultation on to ensure that if it is implemented, how it, how it can work for the industry um, because we're quite unique. So we do get involved also in that. We, we, we sit on quite a few committees um, and uh, we, we can ensure that our voice is heard for the industry mm. to ensure that anything that is implemented hopefully can work well um, and, and, you know, for the reasons that the government have implemented it to the industry. As a, a good example, we lobbied quite heavily on the, um, on the pasty tax, which didn't necessarily come out and satisfy everybody when the Chancellor at the time, Mr Osborne, decided to take a, a swipe at it and probably missed the ball in, in a lot of respects. But we've also lobbied, we, we, lo we did a lot of work with Public Health England on SALT and we continue to do so. And some of the papers and some of the actual practical work that was, uh, that was carried out uh, in relation to SALT levels were, was carried out by our members and through our association and um, you know that's the sort of thing that we can actually get right to the heart of a problem or the, to, the, to an issue. Um, we don't always have success in persuading government not to do something because you know as well as I do that once government gets something into their head it's often very difficult to shift them from their point of view it's for us to simply try and uh, advise that uh, what they are pursuing is probably not in the best interests of uh, you know of, of the industry and it's probably not in the best interest for instance on salt um, 
to a lot of people, what they were pursuing was not necessarily in the best interest of the product. Right. Because, you know, because salt plays an absolute integral role in everything to do with bread. You know, and to take it out, then you might as well just eat cotton wool. How has the association and the sector handled the coronavirus pandemic? And how have your members adapted their businesses in response to the crisis? Well, I mean, obviously for, for us and as association, we've been here throughout to support. Um, that can that was the, the first couple of um, weeks. It was um, a huge volume of calls that we received from health and safety, um, HR issues, which you know enabled members to continue to stay open. Um, we did also help one of our members when they were asked to close, um, despite being an essential food business, um, in order to get them back open again. Uh, I mean, throughout lockdown, I think, George, we've, we've seen many of our members have adapted um, not only to support their own business, but their communities too. Um, they've introduced customer home delivery series and others have donated goods to hospitals, whilst others have, have raised money for local causes as well, things like, you know, wearing fancy dress. Um, and all, on all the while they've been doing this, you know, they've been looking at ways of implementing the relevant health and safety measures, particularly probably working for extended periods, uh, you know, to, make, to ensure that the customers still receive their personal, you know, exceptional service. Um, and, and that, you know, and that's been reassuring for the sector to see and how also as well the, the community has come back to, to support its craft bakery. So we've heard, we've heard quite a lot of positive stories from our bakers who have fed that back. And we are doing a piece on that in our membership magazine of... Um, a few of our members that have really, uh, well, in some cases, turned their businesses ar ar around. Mm -hmm. um, and also on the back of that, as I said, I mentioned earlier, we've um, we sort of we developed with our health and safety team the, the COVID-19 management guide, uh, which is in collaboration with uh, Safer Assured, who are an environmental health experts. And we've worked with the, with the team there for, for many years. And hopefully, you know, the information in there is uh, it, as long as, uh, you know, the, the members concerned read it, adapt it, um, then, you know, they can be assured that their risk assessment templates, their monitoring records, signage, you know, they will be on point for um, to ensure that customers get, can feel safe, I would say, you know, um, visiting their, their shops. I think the other thing where we talk about the complexion of lots of business have changed, and again, I'm speaking from personal experience, um, depending on the, on the business uh, profile in relation to customers, if you were a shops only business, then, and, and they were your own shops, then you will have, you will have been able to look at it very, from a, a very practical one-stop type of situation what are we going to do in a business like ours when we were a mixture of wholesale and retail we were faced with a situation where lots of the wholesale businesses closed right. at the beginning garden centers schools uh, and they formed a substantial part of our order book our daily order book but then even some of those people started to be quite innovative. And if we didn't start a delivery service, um, which we did in certain shops, and bear in mind, the delivery service was more 
beneficial to lots of people who were in, probably in the rural community where they couldn't get out. It was difficult to get out. And, you know, we were able to, to, to introduce with the help of the community because we couldn't, we just didn't go in ourselves and say, we've started a delivery service tomorrow. Generally speaking, members of the community would ring us and say, we are setting up blah, 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 blah. Can you help us? And um, we did that through the shops and where our wholesalers, some of our wholesalers took significant amounts of product um, because they'd started delivery services and they were doing rural, um, rural, rural deliveries and with some considerable success. Um, we, we also did some work and, you know, you, you learn a lot about the way you trade. Uh, for instance, one in one of our areas of trade, we weren't aware, you know, that there was a local charity that um, have for the last seven or eight years have been involved in distribution of meals and to the to the less fortunate in our society. And um, so we started sort of supporting them uh, if we had a slight overrun on some production then we'd donate it to them uh, and uh, and if we'd have a situation um, because it was so unpredictable in the shops there was nothing to work on there was no history you didn't know whether Monday was going to be busy Tuesday was as it would traditionally be you just had to suck it and see and uh, on some days until it settled down and believe it or not it did we actually settled down into a pattern fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was amazing how closely it followed normal conditions in terms of trading days. So, so Friday and Saturday were particularly busy. Uh, Monday was, Tuesday, Wednesday, a little bit quieter and that sort of thing. So on the days we got it wrong and we had an overspill and we had product left in the shops at night, we were donated to, the, to our local charity who were extremely grateful for all contributions received, which was, it, and it gave us a great deal and it still does because we, we now got a, a relationship with them and it, it, um, it gives us a lot of pleasure. I'm sure. What is the message you want to get out to the sector as lockdown eases? Um, Carry on. Absolutely, look at at what. Look at your business. And again, I'm I'm referring to sort of personal um, personal situation. Look at your business. Look at what because messages have come out through the virus. Mm -hmm. It's given us an opportunity and to reassess some of the things we were doing. Um, Don't be a busy fool. Some of the things we were doing pre-lockdown, we thought we were providing a, a good service uh, um, w- that everybody was benefiting from. But when you analyse it, or whether because of circumstances you had to cut it out, for albeit you might have said temporarily, some of those temporary things now, we're not going to reintroduce anymore. Right. We're just going to say it's got to be different. And moreover, and it's a dirty word to some people, but certainly not to businesses, I wouldn't have thought, you, you can, they can be more profitable right. if, they reass, if they reassess 
their business model. The other advice we can give to people who've closed for whatever reason and are just starting to reopen is that those who've been left have seen quite a, an uptick for shop sales. And I think what we've got to do is capitalize on that and endeavor to um, to hold on to all that we've all that uh, all the gains that we've made not everybody has gained to that extent but there has been certainly again I'm, I'm relating to our business we've seen in certain areas quite substantial increases in chop take mm -hmm. uh, which is which has been highly uh, well it's been very welcome but again, I go back to the point, reassess what, if you are starting up again, just reassess your business model and see whether, and it, because it's an ideal opportunity to uh, reposition yourselves and do something a little bit different. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, for for our our members who are reopening, and you know, we appreciate that's going to be difficult. But just that, you know, we've been through as an association, we've been through this for the last three months or so. So I think, you know, we we've become hugely experienced in, um, you know, the benefits and the pitfalls. So yeah, any of our members that are, that are starting up, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, you know, we we are in a position where we can advise and and make sure that you know everything they're doing is consistent with government guidelines and um, you know ensure that their business can get back up and running as quickly as possible. There's obviously a lot of benefits why the craft sector should consider joining CBA. Can you tell me more about that? Well as I say our, our main um, I think probably our, our, the main benefit that's used mostly is um, employment because most of our uh, our smaller uh, smaller businesses won't have a dedicated HR. You know, they're really their main focus is products. Out, you know, feeding the community and products out through the door. So. As an association, we, we're kind of a one-stop shop, so we will be your um, HR advisor. We will be your health and safety advisor. Uh, we will be your um, go-to for not even uh, questions that we would answer on a daily basis. Finding your, We have members who you know, they want to buy machinery or where's the best place to um, you know, buy this awning or um, I, I need a part for my oven so we we make it our you know we're not just about the benefits that we we advertise but it's about a community as well for our members so whatever problem they've got they can pick the phone up and ask and we've sent you know quite a few informational um mailers out um last week actually for members asking advice on you know where the best place to get a, a new payment um a, a machine you know to avoid mm -hmm. avoid the cash so it's all those types of um, areas where you haven't got to ring two or three different companies um if we don't know in here you know you can be assured that we will find someone who does know so we really are just the one um telephone conversation and um i would say 99% of the time we can help all of our members whatever their query is and i think it's it's an insurance policy really if you look at it that way that you never know when you're going to need us and who would have foreseen um, where we are now and uh, for those people that were members of ours I think they would quite 
to a to a person probably have appreciated having us at the end of the telephone um, to help them through their the furloughing, particularly in the beginning uh, of the pandemic, then the health and safety, then the opening up of of, of businesses. So we have been there um, as a support, and I think, as we always say, George, you know, if it's seen really, it's it's not a cost to your to your business being a member. It, it's an investment because you really don't know when you're going to need us. It's it's typically insurance. Sometimes some people, and in in difficult times, they could find it. Um, they might think, "Well, what am I paying that out for?" But you know, being a member of the CBA, you can make your um, you can recoup your membership subscription very very quickly, depending on what sort of problem you've got. And you know, you can get from within your subscription, you can get we have access to the very best expert advice. And if people understand that and acknowledge that, that uh, then they would immediately see the, 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 the benefit. And the, I think the other thing, as far as the CBA is concerned, like I said, is uh, it's a discussion from a baker with a baker.